0: Hans Spokosky is an American attorney and a former member of the Federal Elections Commission. He is the manager of the Heritage Foundation's Election Law Reform Initiative and senior legal fellow in the Heritage's Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies. He's back with us. Hans, welcome back to News and Views. Good to have you with us.
1: Tom, thanks for having me, back.
0: Two of your colleagues, John Malcolm and uh, Thomas Jipping, have written an interesting uh, article in the last uh, few days, What Senators Must Ask Supreme Court Nominee Katanji Katang- Brown-Jackson. Uh, one of the things they wrote in there was just the fact that, and it's sort of interesting because when Donald Trump had his nominees, liberals were very, very upset that he would go to organizations such as the Heritage Foundation to get recommendations for individuals that he might consider for the Supreme Court. And yet we see Joe Biden doing the same thing, and uh, apparently there's, there's no problem if Joe Biden has certain organizations, certain liberal organizations he goes to for uh, his selections.
1: Well, yeah, but that, as you know, that's the standard hypocrisy you run into <laughs> exactly. in Washington D.C. All, all all the time. And in fact, look um, with uh, uh, with Jackson, the progressive left has gotten exactly who they want on the Supreme Court. I mean, she's been she's being supported and praised by every liberal activist group in America from unions like the afl cio and the national education association to the people for the american way even the southern poverty law center and you have to think well why is that well I-, I can tell you because if you look at her career she's only been on the court of appeals for a year in the district of columbia but she was a federal district court judge which is basically the trial level for eight years and if you look at her decision making um... Look, at one point she was asked if she had a judicial philosophy. She said no. (laughs) But her judicial philosophy, look at her court decisions, is um, if there's a liberal group in front of me with a liberal cause, I'm going to find in their favor no matter what the law or the Constitution says. And you can see that in case after case after case.
0: What should the Republicans ask as they... um go, uh, as she goes through the process of being confirmed or denied. And do you think that there's a, a possibility that we could have a Joe Manchin come over and uh, say, no, I don't think she's the person?
1: Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that even if there was a 50-50 tie, I think the Democrats would stay solid because uh, they want this kind of uh, very liberal justice on the court who's going to give them the kind of political decisions they want. But they need to ask her questions about all kinds of things. I mean, I'll give you one quick example. Um, look, when she was in private practice, she volunteered to, to file uh, an amicus brief on behalf of all these pro-abortion groups in which she argued, if you could believe this, that there ought to be this floating buffer zone around abortion clinics where the First Amendment does not apply. And so wow. even people who are there peacefully should not be able to express their opinions that you know abortion is wrong. Yet when she was a judge, she issued a decision um, saying uh, that the anti-panhandling law in the District of Columbia... She threw it out because she said it was a violation of the First Amendment. Now I don't know how you concile, uh, reconcile those two views, but she needs to be asked. So, you 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 think uh, Judge Jackson that there's not a First Amendment right to speak about to speak against abortion around abortion clinics, but you do think there's a First Amendment right to beg and solicit money on the streets of Washington? I mean, like I like said, how do you explain those two views?
0: I have heard, and you're going to know the answer to this. I have heard, but I haven't actually read the the cases, that she has been on more than one occasion had her decisions overturned by either her peers, the the en banc court, or by uh, higher courts. Is that correct?
1: It is. In fact, when she was a uh, district court judge, like I said, for eight years, she was one of the most frequently reversed judges on the D.C. Circuit. And and you could see this most recently in. She's also clearly an anti-Trumper, so anytime there was any case before her that involved uh, Donald Trump's policies of his administration, she always ruled against it. And the one of the last times she did this, um, uh, she overruled presidential immunity, which is a basic, you know, uh, constitutional requirement. To say that uh, Donald Trump's lawyer in the White House, White House Counsel Don McGahn, had to testify before the House Judiciary Committee, which had subpoenaed him. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, which is controlled by liberal judges, reversed her (laughs) saying that uh, unelected and unaccountable federal judges should not interfere in this kind of a political issue. So they, even the liberal justices, were pretty critical of her basically saying she was acting as an unelected, unaccountable federal judge to get into a political matter.
0: You know, it's interesting. That brings up a larger matter, and that is these justices that want to push the progressive agenda. And again, your peers, uh, John Malcolm and Thomas Jipping, said one of the questions they need to ask, well, is she committed to faithfully applying the Constitution and statutes? Uh, you know that we have a north carolina supreme court justice down here and she has basically just ignored the federal constitution and the state constitution as it relies to these uh, congressional and state district maps and just just ignoring the constitution which i've said on the air a number of times this is this is anarchy i mean if you're not going to follow the rule of law and just make it up as you go along it's anarchy But it appears to me that there's a lot of similarities between uh, Brown Jackson and Anita Earls down here uh, just saying, I'm going to do what I darn well please, and I don't really care what the uh, fallout of it is. And if I'm corrected, so be it. But I mean, how can how can we how can we legally keep I mean, is impeachment, I guess, is the only way to to keep uh, individuals like this from continuing to do what they do?
1: Well, I uh, I I know the resemblance, and I know who you're talking. About. Wasn't Anita Earle that uh, labeled herself as a social justice warrior? I think she did. Oh yeah, and, oh, uh, yeah. oh yeah, I think I think uh, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson is exactly exactly the same, and is going to act exactly the same. In fact, I I can guarantee you that if she's confirmed, which unfortunately seems highly likely, that she will probably end up being the most left-wing radical member of the Supreme Court we've had in our entire history even to the left of Sonia Sotomayor who is currently the most uh, left-wing member of the Supreme Court and I you know it's hard it's it, it, it's very frustrating it's annoying when people like this get on the court people who don't believe in the rule of law and and the Constitution whether it's a state court state Supreme Court or the the US Supreme Court but what Look, what's going on is these are the kind of judges that the liberal side of the political aisle wants on the courts because uh, they see the courts as a way—it's very anti-democratic. They see see the courts as a way to get around the democratic process. In other words, if they can't convince, for example, a state legislature to pass a law, to pass the policies they want, well, then they they then go to the court and they uh, ask courts to force a state and its residents to do what they want done. And that's that's what the, that's what this whole movement is from the left.
0: Well, and it's not new. I mean, that's how we got Roe v. Wade, right? Yes. No, that's exactly right. Yeah. Let me change gears a little bit with you and talk about um, the situation down here in North Carolina. I don't know if you got my text earlier today with that article out of the Carolina Journal but uh, the the United States, well, the North Carolina state legislature has now appealed to the United States Supreme Court concerning our uh, district maps and and well, no, I'm, I t- take that back. Concerning our congressional maps, the uh, the district maps and the, the the House maps and the state Senate maps are are, are for for this election are, are intact, but they have made an appeal to the United States Supreme Court. Um, in, in the, the brief that was filed, they say the elections clause of the United States Constitution provides that the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the state legislature thereof. Uh, pretty clear what the United States Constitution talks about. D- do you see now the, the, the Supreme Court has been hesitant to pick up these state issues? Does uh, now twice. Twice the uh, North Carolina Supreme Court has said, "Okay, we're going to intervene and change your maps, uh, congressional maps." Do you do you see the Supreme Court picking this up and running with it?
1: I don't know because I think um, the North Carolina Supreme Court is basing it on their misinterpretation of your state's constitution. I believe that's the case. That's is that correct. is correct.
0: And, yeah, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, usually, the U.S. Supreme Court does not step in in cases like that, because the state Supreme Court is, you know, considered the um, the ultimate authority on the state constitution. The, the only time the Supreme Court usually will step in in a situation like that is if the state constitution or its interpretation by the state Supreme Court actually violates a provision of the U.S. Constitution, which has uh, uh, greater authority, you know, you you can't write a con- state constitutional provision that that violates the U.S.
0: Constitution, and, well, and unless
1: it's that situation, you
0: know? and again, I think that's what they're, the, the, this brief is trying to get at—that that they're citing the yeah. United States Constitution. But you think it's yeah, it's so, a long shot? So they
1: might they might take it, but it's uh, it's a chancey it's a chancey appeal. I mean, I hope they're effective. I think you know, look, what's happening with the North Carolina Supreme Court, it's the same thing that has happened with the state Supreme Court, for example, in Pennsylvania. It's currently going on with the Kansas state Supreme Court, where um, they elect these uh, basically um, uh, activists to be judges who then suddenly discover an previously undiscovered right in the Constitution that they use to push their political agenda, in this case, basically uh, trying to draw maps that will favor their political party.
0: Well, and Eric Holder has his fingerprints over all three states. In fact, he gave Anita Earls yes. uh, a contribution of $250,000 for her campaign to become a United uh, a North Carolina Supreme Court justice.
1: Right. Look, the, the one good thing about uh, state court judges, for example, in North Carolina, is that they're elected. <laughs> you can try to get rid of them. In the next election, which unfortunately we can't do when bad people get confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court,
0: do you see the U.S. Supreme Court for the remain? I mean, uh, barring um, some someone's uh, untimely passing, do you see the Supreme Court of the United States s- staying in place for the remainder of uh, Joe Biden's uh, presidency, or for his- this term anyway?
1: Uh, yes. Uh, there's i have not heard a single word about um, any of the other justices like justice thomas or anyone else having any plans to resign although i don't know if you realize but you know clarence thomas um not too long ago celebrated his 30th year on the court so he's been there a long time <laughs> that,
0: that is hard to believe it's been 30 years I, I, yeah isn't it yeah wow yeah. yeah. the um Overall election integrity uh, going into the midterms and, more importantly, going into 2024, do you see uh, state legislatures across the country taking uh, steps to make sure that we have a equitable, fair election without a, any hint of improprieties coming up?
1: Yeah, things are greatly improved. And you know this by the fact that... Uh, Democratic leaders like um, the president and Chuck Schumer have been complaining. <laughs> <laughs> They've been complaining about what state legislatures have done. I think when when uh, Joe Biden gave his speech in Atlanta some uh, some time ago, in which he made all these, uh, frankly, fraudulent claims, that uh, all the states passing these reforms were in the same camp as Jefferson Davis, you know, yeah. the former yeah. head of the Confederacy, he, he cited like 19 states. And those are 19 states, uh, places like Georgia, Florida, Texas, uh, Arizona, and others that their legislatures have passed good election reform. They've they've done good things. Uh, for example, Georgia um, uh, and Texas extended their voter ID laws, which only applied to in-person voting, to absentee balloting, which is a necessary thing to do. So so things are improved now. You know, some states are still really bad like new york and california uh which seem to be doing everything they can to worsen uh election integrity in their states but other states have done a lot to improve it
0: have you been following at all these reports out of wisconsin and georgia that they're beginning to dig down a little bit deeper into the improprieties that might have taken place in the last general yes. election what are your thoughts on yeah those?
1: And in fact the, yeah in wisconsin you know the a former state supreme court judge, has right. been conducting the investigation, and he has found all kinds of problems and issues. Uh, he's just issued his first, I think, reports on it, and that he raises issues that now need to be investigated by the state legislature, and, and uh, uh, the state legislature needs to use those investigations to figure out how they need to fix their laws to make sure those kind of things don't happen again.
0: What do you think, if the state legislature picks up and runs with it, uh, other other than fixing things so it doesn't happen again, do you see anything else happening uh, retroactively to the la- to the previous general election?
1: No, and the reason for that is that uh, it, it's, look, it's too, you can't uncertify an election. You know, once it's been certified, uh you can't go back and overturn it. The 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 deadlines for filing a lawsuit to overturn an election are very short in every state. Those are all long gone. All they can do is fix their laws, their rules or regulations to make sure that the problems that they have found hopefully don't happen again in the next election.
0: Would you say that the mainstream media owes uh, Donald Trump an apology?
1: Well, I think what they do owe is an apology, not just to him, but to everyone who raised concerns yeah. about what they saw happening in the 2020 election. And the media has has constantly just dismissed it. Of course, they're doing the same thing with this report out of Wisconsin. Look, these, these are lengthy reports, and yet almost as soon as they were out, before the reporters clearly even had time to read them, they were already dismissing them in the major newspapers and media outlets. They don't want to actually have any real investigations or real audits done uh, uh, because I, I think they're afraid it destroys their story that they've been pushing that the 2020 election was why the most perfect election in American
0: history. <laughs> it is laughable. Unbelievable. Yeah, Hans von Spikowski of the Heritage Foundation. Hans, thanks so much for joining us. And boy, can I encourage our people to support uh, the Heritage Foundation. You guys do a great job. And you are on the forefront of this, and you've always been very uh, helpful to us And coming on the air and explaining these things to our audience. I appreciate it.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate that very much.
0: You bet. Have a great weekend. Stay with us. News & Views continues right after this.